Hello, my name is Charles Kojo Van Dyke. I am the host of Alternative Convos. Alternative Convos is a discussion show at the intersection between social cohesion and social change in Africa. It is an alternative platform, a safe space for alternative views. Today's guest is Chenobar, the co-founder and the co-CEO of Purposeful, based in Sierra Leone. He's a feminist activist who has dedicated his life to amplify the voices of girls and young people across the globe. And so today we are in really good company. So today's discussion is about the decolonization of international aid or the decolonization of our minds. Are there two sides of the same coin? Welcome, Cheno. Thank you so much, my brother. It's great to join you. Thank you for accepting to speak to me. So, Cheno, let's just start with the actual question. Are there two sides of the same coin? Well, you cannot emancipate an institution if you don't emancipate the minds. And I think that they are very much interconnected. The only difference I will say is when you say our minds, which whose minds are you talking about? Is it the minds of Africans mm. or the minds or the recipients in the global south or the minds of the people who are in the infrastructure of what you refer to as global aid or global development? So I think if the latter is the case, yes, then it's absolutely two sides of the same coin because the structure, the institution mm. cannot decolonize yes. if the people within the institutions are not ready to embark on a journey of liberating their own minds from the structures, assumptions, uh, every system mm. of colonization in the hands that it has wrought and the roles that these institutions have actively played in perpetuating both those camps and on other people. Excellent. Actually, uh, what you're saying is exactly what I was thinking. And for me, I always like to draw on like a personal story. Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of the work that you've been doing on decolonizing systems, structures, the way you work is drawn from your personal story. So can you just share, why are you so passionate about decolonizing anything and everything well, within our environment? Thank you so much. Because I think on a lot of the times when deglobalization is spoken about in our sector, it's dehumanized, it's depersonalized, mm -hmm. as if it's kind of like, you know, something that happened without victims, without a harm, and without people that actually suffer that harm. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm from Sierra Leone, mm -hmm. which was a colonized society. Uh, I grew up basically as a child of development aid. I was a refugee, I was mm -hmm. displaced, I walked with the folks from these IGOs. I served on the children advisory panels. I was the mm. sponsor child at some point. I you had international aid, being. So I am a, <laughs> a poster child for international aid. And then I started working for these institutions. I worked at UN, I worked with IGOs, PLAN, and others. Um, you know, and then I now run an institution as well that relies on funding from the system. So. My experience is personal, but it's also structural. And I've seen what the harmful effects of these do-gooders and feel-gooders, mm -hmm. because that's how I like to call them, 
these people often in these structures and institutions, they started some of them from the premise of trying to do good. Mm. But it's so they had a good intent. Good intent. Mm. Mm. A lot of the people working there, but these institutions were not created to liberate us. There's a reason no INGO has ever solved any intrinsic problem, has ever addressed the root cause of any problem in any society because that's mm. not what they were created to do. They were created. So, what were they created to do? Well, they were created for the most part to just keep us uh, to be less than free so mm. that they provide aid so they feel good about themselves. Mm. Uh, they give us pittance and handouts mm -hmm. and tick the box mm -hmm. uh, and continue this image of dehumanizing us, um, colonizing us, creating what they now call, oh, we don't want to create a culture of dependency. They created that culture. That culture. It was systematic. It was very systematic. And these institutions, even the INGOs, were very much part of that enterprise. Their job was exactly to do that, to so just do enough, not to solve any problem, mm. but to keep us in bondage, to keep mm. us less than free, mm. and tick the box while they feel good. And then, by the way, and cut all the resources back into their own countries. Mm. Uh, people ask me why I say that, and I say, listen, you know, today we were having conversations about accountability, which yeah. is often like the cold word for you are corrupt, we can't trust you, because <laughs> it comes from a premise of somehow that we are and, and they, that you they, don't have integrity. Yeah, you don't have integrity <laughs> because somehow, yeah. you know, your own commitments to your own community itself is questioned. They care more about That's right. your commitment to your community mm -hmm. more than you do. The insults of that. And the idea that, oh, it's because they have to be accountable to their taxpayers. Taxpayers, yes. Absolute banality. Because. But it's something that is often it's said, repeated, and, repeated. And, 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 and it's in our, it's our subconscious. The power of these uh, colonized discourses is repeated so often mm. that you can't think of a way outside of it. Mm. But just ask yourself. Today I was reading the news. The U.S. just agreed to give another two billion to to Ukraine. Mm. That's aid, but it's not counted as aid. To do. They're not worried about this spending it or whatever they want to spend it on. The U.S. gives a lot of money to Germany uh, through systematic exchanges in terms of like trade and other mm. things. They give mm. a lot of money to Israel. They do, but that money doesn't count as somehow. They don't call it aid. They don't call it aid. They say it's an investment. Exactly. Mm. So what 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 is wrong with us? Like, do look at the money that the U.S. paid for when they really were interested in transforming Europe, right? That's right. This so-called Marshall Plan. It was a systemic investment mm. in the development of Europe infrastructure. They're yeah. not somehow mm -hmm. said, "Oh, let's give you just enough water to drink today, so that you don't die, and then we take pictures of you and exploit you." There's no imagery of all of that existed. But they have managed to let us see, to not see that at all. And only see these patterns that they give us and they make it the subject of so much controversy. And then they claim somehow that we're so corrupt when a dime of that is spent on our families. Because, you know, we're not worth it. Mm. We're not worth mm. it. All the money is what, the monies that come into our own countries are only worth in the ways that they dictate and they direct and have to be spent in a very specific way. So I think I'm aware of that. I'm aware of and the roles, again, of these institutions who do not question that because for them, it's an industry. It's about jobs. It's about keeping themselves and yeah. kind of like uh, keeping so their own Self-preservation. Self Self-preservation and power mm. because they have incredible power in our communities. Mm. And many of them refuse to actually be part of hard conversations in our communities for the issues that care most because they somehow have to be neutral, which mm. is a terrible word. <laughs> when you're talking about justice. 
how can you be neutral when there's injustice? Exactly. But that's somehow how they play because you know what? Some want to maintain their diplomatic statuses. They want to maintain their entrails. as you don't have much on the night. And at the first sign of trouble, of course, they're evacuating their local staff and their people. You can talk a lot about the complexity of this system that they've mm. created. Yeah. But if you, when you remove the layers of the complexity, what remains is colonization. The idea that we want to less, that we, our lives matter less, that they are superior to us and that we are people to be rescued and saved. Mm. So this is a, this is what I call complexity of complexities. But how do we, and I've heard some of the work you are doing with Purposeful, trying to, for lack of a better word, dismantle the system and create a new reality. How are you going about doing that? Because I find some of the things you are doing borderline fascinating and very risky. <laughs> yeah. I think until you're willing to risk, you're yeah. not yet um, ready for deliberation. I think what's clear to us are purposeful is that, as I said uh, earlier, the revolution cannot be NGOized. What they have tried to also do, I love that, is to make kind of social change, that the only path for social change and liberation in our communities is within the structures that they have set out, laid out in rules that are kind of non-threatening to them mm. uh, in the power and the hegemony that they continue to maintain. What we want to do is to challenge that, is to challenge the discourse of money, yes. of power. Mm. And I think that starts with our own education and liberation back to your original question. Do you liberate? Is it connected to the mission? Is, is it the mind? Exactly. Because we are part of that system now. Absolutely. So when we talk about the people who are perpetuating, people who look like us, yep. eat what we eat. The yep. fools and the kings. They're exactly. <laughs> and, and the bitter leaves. They're in the system. Western educated. And now we are, yeah, so, we are now being used by the system yeah. to perpetuate the inequality. Yes. What we do are purposeful. The first job we, we do is what we call feminist education, popular education. It's constantly remind ourselves we read. You call it popular education. Popular education. So it's how do we read the text, the feminist thinking, the anti-colonial thinking, the mm. anti-racist thinking, uh, books, poems, uh, stories. So, you, that so you've taken time to do this. Every week. It's like radical deliberate. Reading. Every week we've got running our reading up our postal. We've got our own unit of our work that's all about that. It's not just for us, but it's also for our partners, for the girls who work with, for the mentors. We run a feminist night school for the yeah. girls of the movement in Sierra Leone. And all of that is towards the emancipation of our mind. The mind. And once we do that, it means we're constantly questioning. Mm. We somehow obviously have ourselves inculcated colonial practices because that's how we're all socialized. Of course. So what we, what we want to do is to create a process that constantly questions that. And that's why we question pay systems in our organization. No matter where you're based, you're based in Sierra in Guinea, in Liberia, yeah. uh, in London, in Nairobi, you're paid the same. And that was a revolutionary act. We don't work for Some it. say you are distorting our economy. Yeah, I've <laughs> had that explanation, but yeah. the UN has always paid more. Yeah. Way more, but nobody questions that because who is the UN? And yeah. somehow, I think that our conversation is, uh, yeah, it's misleading because the people who receive this money are not worried about an economy being distorted. And I, if money is going to go into the pockets of my Sierra Leone brothers every day, I'm for that. If you want to reform the system, let's come together. Have a dignified life. Let's come and reform the system together. But you cannot tell me that a distortion is when a Sierra Leone ends just the same as somebody who's based in London when they're doing the same task. That's not distortion. That's justice. 
I think that's, that's awesome. That's equity. We can talk about reforming the system for everybody, but it might not be at the expense of the people who are working and mm. paying them. Especially when you yeah. can do exactly. something about it. Exactly. Mm. So I think that that conversation mm. uh, needs to be straightened out. We don't work five days a week. We work four days a week because most of the people in our, in our movement are survivors and most of them are women who have to go back home to their families and their kids. That's really... So you don't work on Fridays? We don't work on Fridays at Purpose Full. We're a proud mm -hmm. four-day week organization. We're the first to the continent to become that. Mm -hmm. um, and it hasn't slowed you down? It hasn't slowed us down. It's actually mm -hmm. made Has that made you It's made our organization even more effective. People are mm -hmm. handy to come to work. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, in that four days when they are at work, they do even more because they understand that, oh, you know, we can do other things. And they find joy because some are pursuing businesses and other passions and that's how this work is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. The work of liberation should mirror the future that we seek. Absolutely. Like if we're seeking a liberated world, our mm. colleagues, you know, we say our purposeful joy is resistance. Mm. If we're not happy, if we're not dancing, then this is not our revolution. So we really are um, intentional about, about making sure that um, there's joy. You know, we talk about things like parents and leave. We give uh, up to a year of parents and leave. Single to which is paid, which is okay. That's my maternity. maternity leave. Do you so have parents? Because we give it to men as well. As well. So wow, equally. That's why we say parents. I mean, that's this, this is progress. Men and women will have wow. the same um, within our organization. We have clear affirmative um, um, action and, and, and positive discrimination in terms of our employment and other things. We, If we're going to hire, it has to be first Australian, and if not an African, if not a, a, a black person, if not, uh, you know, love yourself, Colonel. If not, so you're not ashamed. You're not ashamed. I mean, you put this on your on the table very, very clearly. Mm. So we are the same organization because we understand that there's a system that has been created that makes it difficult for Black African Sierra Leonean people to have access to these jobs in the first place. And if we just go, if we don't go out of our way to look for these folks, we cannot find them. You know, we're a feminist organization. Over ninety percent of our staff currently are women. Um, as I said, in these are majority Black African Sierra Leonean women as well. I must say, you have very committed staff. Yes, we have had a chance to be here, and so they're they're pastoral. And you know, we invest in the, in the in the pastoral development of our staff. Two of our staff are currently on full scholarships provided by the organization studying in Western universities. Fantastic! Uh, and this is something that we'll continue to do. This is not the first time we've done it. We we, we believe that the revolution is our people. Until our people are free, we are not free. Back to your point: mm. if our people are free, if our people are liberated, and that liberation includes having access to money having access to the best education that they can get. Because when they are free, they lead the revolution. That's why I have to push back on the idea that our spending on our staff are purposeful is not overhead. The monies we spend on the people that work are purposeful is the program. And it's not overhead. So mm. we, we, we push back on donors who are like, oh, you can't spend that much on overhead. We're like, ah, our staff welfare, our staff liberation is part of the program he's part of the program no that's that's amazing yeah. and one thing i've i've, I've noticed is that you, you've taken the view that look to decolonize we must go back to leadership models that we are familiar with mm -hmm. and you've taken a view that we always worked on consensus yeah there was not never an instance where mm -hmm. even when we had kings and chiefs mm -hmm. where that person was had an ultimate power and made all that yeah. there always was a council of people yeah. Yeah. and i've come up with this whole cool Leadership thing. A lot of people have question marks about it. I've had people like, hey, this thing, won't it bring division, power play? Exactly. Back so I would love to hear when you said that you have co leadership at all levels. levels. And that's what intrigued me. I, always, I thought it was the executive level. No, no, no. no. So I, I would love, love to hear how you managed to put that in place. You know, growing up, they used to tell us that, you know, a two captain, two 
two captains does not ride that ship. Yes, captains. Yes, there can only be one king. But it's, yeah. it's you know you've been on planes. It's not true. Actually, planes are ridden by two pilots. Boats are ridden by more than one because you know it's a better, we we have, again we have been colonized and socialized by these colonized methods. It's the old system of leadership where you have the type A personality with all this and all that. We'll push it back against that and say leadership can be called leadership. So at the top of the organization, obviously we have that. And recently we just instituted it across the organization. And at every level of the organization, at every hub, we have two leaders who are, are young women who are leading and supporting each other. What that does is actually breeds solidarity, breeds a different ways of decision-making and liberalizes the way we engage and, and discuss amongst ourselves. And it also disenters the individual from power. Mm. No one person is always right. The idea that you have a peer, like, it's always the good to have a always hard to create a culture of debates within the organization mm. that everybody's mm. idea is valid everybody's idea is welcome and we can have a debate because you see that in between the two co-leaders on every team and at the top we don't have to agree on everything but we create a system and a culture of um exchange and share and i think one other thing i want to say about our decolonized practice is our relationship with money Purposeful is a grant maker. We, we give money. We move money to feminist activist uh, girls across Sierra Leone and also across the continent and beyond. It's very important to us that we understand that we are only custodians of money that does not belong to us. Mm -hmm. We are just an intermediary. Also, like a so conduit. We are conduit. It's not your money. Question our power. Mm -hmm. The problem with all of these NGOs is as soon as they go and they get this money, they come. They become our gods. Mm. They now control us. You have to go through complex processes that do not make sense to us and are not even uh, consistent with our values. Mm. What we're trying to do at Purposeful is to decolonize that entire process. Mm. We're getting rid of the complex application processes. In fact, in some cases, we reach out to organizations and we allow people to share their stories in to, for them to have access to our resources through WhatsApp, through voice message, through videos, mm. through text messages, through phone calls. And sometimes mm. we go meet them and share, including people that we work with. And that's really been important in terms of so, how we decolonize the process of having access to the money that we have. So the money itself is not, you don't dictate what they do with the we money. We don't. In fact, they don't have our to necessarily of our grants right now. So you just give them unrestricted resources. So what we mean by that is you don't have to report to us how you spend it. We're giving you the money because we see you in your community. We know you're already a leader. You care about your community. We want to give you the freedom that this system has decided we should never have which is the freedom to think, to take risk, and to choose your own path within the organization. Also the freedom Without feeling somebody is. To not feel like, oh, yeah, there's a, a pressure. Uncle Sam is over your head. Yeah, monitoring you. People have always said, oh, but what about our accountability? But accountability is to the community that they serve and to themselves, among themselves within the organization. And the other thing, you know, most people talk about risk, which we get, ah, but what are the risks? They're like, first we see, obviously, Africans and Black women and girls are worth the risk. It's really important. Because somehow we've been socialized to think that we're so risky that we, particularly in the black and brown bodies, yeah. do not have access to resources because it's too risky. Yeah. That's a clinical yeah. thinking. Girls we don't know how to manage money. Exactly. Money. You, everybody <laughs> needs money. And people need to have access to money that they can use and the freedom to be able to use it in the ways that they choose. Now, people say, oh, what about the risk that they will use it, they will spend it wrongly? Well, a poor young girl in our community, maybe she gets the money, she runs an organization, but instead of spending the money on her organization, maybe she spent it on her child. Is that risking the money? No, I'm happy for her to have access to spend that money on her child because guess what? If she didn't have access to that money to spend on her child, she'd probably go sell her body too. Exactly. To survive. 
and that's the complexity of a decolonized thought. That's our programs take into consideration that these people have refused to take into consideration mm. one time. And somehow they can have access to this money to live a fulfilling and fulfilled life, but it's too dangerous for a poor African woman mm. to have access to that same money. To live a, a dignified life. To live a dignified life. So that's mm. really important to us. In terms of reporting back, how do they report back? We encourage calls and storytelling. What we do is we organize a partner call. Mm. And everybody on the call, they form their own groups on that call, and they share stories. Perfect. And the idea is that through those stories, they inspire each other, and we see the pressure coming out of that. People want to tell their stories in there, invite us to both take pictures, whatever, in their communities, and we help them amplify their story as well. But the point of is the idea, not worry that we never do spot checks because it's a colonial practice. We'll never do that. We'll know, we'll the, the, the elements of surprise. No, we don't do that. Yeah, because we don't trust you. Exactly. Yeah. We already trust you. Mm -hmm. You know that you're committed to your community and that whatever you do, this resource belongs to you and that you have a right. Mm -hmm. The other thing I, I push back on this localization and uh, discourse yeah. is they talk about, oh, well, you know, we've got to do things to... Um, mitigate risks. Yes. And I say, actually, it should go beyond that. We should acknowledge that our people also have the right and the privilege to fail. Now, that's a very unique sense. Because somehow... Because failure... Oh, nobody wants to go about failure. Failure is all of a sudden a forbidden fruit. And yet, it is so counterintuitive to every system that we've seen every system of science to every system that we social change happens. Exactly. But somehow we are not allowed to fail. Black people, brown people are not allowed to fail because failure should be reserved as a privilege for the people that are rich. And we push back on that. Mm -hmm. like, oh, what if you fail? We're like, actually, that's good. Because we learn from them. What they have we come out stronger. Because they are better because they are failed. Oh, not another thing. So I think that's part of the discourse that we really want to push that. You know, people, money, their relationship with money, the relationship just because we give them the money does not mean that we have power over them, mm. that they know that including they have the option of failing and that failure is also celebrated mm. just as success in all terms because, and that they can use the resources the ways that they choose and are accountable to each other within their groups. That's why we make it clear that this resource has been given to your group and they are who and decide what you want to do. And what we've seen instead is that they're doing amazing things with it. We should have communities supporting each other, and that's the world we work with. Thank you, thank you, Chino. This is great. And you know, I usually end my conversations with what I call a call to action. Yes. Because I know, like I say, we can conversate <laughs> forever. But you know, from the I mean, you've done phenomenal work. Congratulations, yeah, um, and your and your team. But from where you sit, the model that you've put together, if organizations within our ecosystem, Africa you know, want to do this, what what are the kind of guide would you give them to, to to decolonize the way they do things, the ways they work? I think people want to do this. Sometimes they don't know how. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think the courage yeah. of uh, to do it. And especially because when they think about the fallout. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how 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 would you experience from your experience where you said how can you help? organizations. You know, I really like what Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr. said, that if you have not found a reason, uh, if you've not found something you're willing to die for, you're not fit to leave. Mm. You have to have values that you cannot compromise. And you have to start from a values-led perspective. And I think that's what has really helped purposeful, defining ourselves as feminists, as anti-colonial, anti-racist, 
and holding ourselves to that and understanding that's a journey. When I invite um, my brothers and sisters and brethren to think about is what are your values? If you're committed to these values, then you name those values and stick to those values. You lose some funding. We decided that some multilateral organizations, we don't want their money. They call us, we said, no, we don't want your money. Your money I'm sure they are coming to you now. Of course. <laughs> because we said, be your 1% and I was yeah. free. Yeah. Once you do that and continue to hold your mind and do good work, mm. they come back to you and be like, okay, how can we allow you to be free with our money? Mm. Because you're... So you're in a position of strength. You're in a position of strength. Mm. And I think we need to also come together. It's a call for, I think you and I have had this conversation. Yes. We are often complicit in our own dehumanization without understanding that the power that we have... Fantastic. We are not powerless. We are not hopeless. These people, these INGUs, these instructors and institutions, they cannot succeed in our communities without us. We need to organize. This is a, you know, it's a revolution. We need to organize ourselves and say, these are the things we stand for. Exactly. And these are the values that we hold. If you do not abide by those values, right. take your money because money can be oppressive because money can also kind of put us down. Mm. And I think if we do that, Mm. and hold ourselves to these values and question our own self, our own self, continuously, we, we will be on the right path. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chalo. I think yeah, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you for meeting, making time to talk to me. I really, really wish the best for Purposeful. Honestly, one of the organizations I'm very proud of on the continent, in a continent where people find reason uh, to, to, to not celebrate uh, some of the amazing things that we are doing. So thank you. Thank you for this. It's a true pleasure. All the best to your work.